I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, I have the absolute honor to share with you this beautiful soul I discovered through listening to another podcast. I know I always say there are no accidents in life, and this is one of those coincidental moments that I think, wow, thank you, God, for bringing Kim Fisk into my life so I can share her magic on my podcast because what she has to say resonates with me to my core, and I know it will do the same for you. First, let me give you a little bit of her background before we get started. Kim Fisk is a respected speaker, author, and thought leader who is sought after for her ability to convey to audiences provocative concepts and practical ways to identify and navigate what she has lined as the monster under the bed, which is actually the title of the book she has written. She is a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, certified coach of life planning, a seven-figure income earner in relationship marketing, member of the Association of Network Marketing Professionals, member of the National Speakers Association, eWomen Network Platinum member, pro member of the Association of Network Marketing Professionals, and a member of the American Business Women's Association. Kim will help you shift your awareness with proven strategies and insights so that the noise in your head and heart can be better understood and quieted. With Kim's help, you will finally see, hear, and become fully aware of thoughts and fears that are deeming inside of you and holding you back. Kim can help you dissect the things that shut you down and paralyze you today, which can be a catalyst to your life transformation tomorrow. Stop being held captive by what scares you with a methodology that can be implemented so that a more positive balance is brought to every relationship that matters most in your life, realizing that it all starts with you. And without further ado, welcome Kim to Uncover Your Magic. Thank you so much for being here. Such an honor. Thanks, Ashley. Wow. I don't know where you got all that information to introduce me with. Well, it's like, I was like, whoa, is that me? Wow. I know, I've done my my research. And then you're addicting because it's such good stuff that I have to keep going. (laughs) It's a rabbit hole. (laughs) But it was such a fun one. I can't stop. I know the feeling. I do that often, actually. But it was just a great, the last few days of learning about you and discovering you and realizing how much your belief system and what you have learned throughout your life really like sticks with what I believe. And it's such a, an amazing journey that you've shared that I am so honored that you're here to share with my listeners your journey. And with that, do you want to start with kind of where you kind of, you know, I know you started having children at a young age, but how you were raised and all that. Sure. I'll just touch on some of that 
background information because it has brought me to where I am today. And so I was raised pretty much in a, the youngest of three in a very Christian, fundamental Christian home. My family were ministers, music ministers. My family's the first one to get there, you know, for church and the last one to leave. And whenever the doors were open, we were there and we were usually in charge of whatever was going on. So yeah, that was kind of my background all my life. I know all my scriptures. I know I sang, I performed. My family was very musical. So yeah, I just, that was kind of my mom and dad divorced when I was young. And I talk about that. That's a core event that happened in my life that created later in life, my understandings of how our identity is wired and how our fears are very much cemented from a very young age. So the divorce was a very pivotal thing, but I was very close to my dad growing up too. So anyway, yeah, The Monster Under the Bed, the whole premise in the book and the subtitle really tells you more about what it's about is uncovering the lie that drives us. And Mm -hmm. so all my life, I just felt a need being the third, maybe sibling birth order had something to do with this as well, but I never felt... Those were the ingredients to create the lie that the little three or four-year-old Kimmy adopted about herself that, number one, I'm not okay, like as I am. Something's wrong with me, as a little child would think. This is all about how brain wiring works when you're little. Something's wrong with me. So if I could just be more in my configuration of how this played out, special was my word. Like I just needed to be special. And When the survival brain, which is what a young child has when they're little, that's all you're really born with is survival instincts. And Mm -hmm. survival is only triggered when there's uncertainty or any fear present. So because it doesn't know that it's not connected to your logical brain. So it doesn't know that what you are approaching or what's approaching you might be something as a friend that just gets mad at you or something that you're going to give a talk in second grade and you're nervous, it doesn't know that you're not really going to get eaten. You know, you're going to die. That (laughs) feeling's the same. It only knows how to understand fear and it only speaks back in fight or flight messages for the most part. So my need to be special, if you put that under one of a fight category or a flight category, Mm -hmm. That's definitely a fight category. I had to prove that you're acceptable. And so these areas of my life that I could supposedly be so special in are very understandable now through those eyes. That The truth and the line that I say in the book many times is though that you can never get enough of what you never needed to begin with. So trying to do an inside job with outside evidence doesn't work because it's got to be at a different level. But anyway, there you go. So now understanding that, and now you understand that you needed that from your childhood, where did you start learning? Where did you get interested in the self-development work? What started this journey? Well, I got married really young. Again, it was all in the same, what I call the dance of the monster that I was in trying to prove stuff. And so I got married very young, had two of my four kids young. And, but I remember really, even when I was a kid, I remember having feelings like, gosh, I just don't see things the way most, like I felt very odd. Like I felt like I kind of had my own little drummer that I listened to. And, and growing up in church, especially people would say stuff and I'd go, yeah, but 
yeah, but what about this? And they'd go, oh, just don't, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, what about this? Right? Like I was, and I would always ask my mom, mom, you know, what about these things? And she goes, hun, never stop asking because that was really good for, I mean, for back in that day and as embedded in religion as my family was, my mom would always say the truth never is fearful of questions. So always ask. So, and she goes, I don't always have the answers for you, but never stop asking. So I think I just kind of had that seed in me very young. And then, you know, as life does for all of us, we get situ, you know, in situations where pain, conflict, disruption, turmoil, those kinds of things are really powerful change agents or openers <laughs> inside right. you. So when you go through these things, you can keep, you know, pounding your way through. And at a certain point, you stop and go, wait, what's it all about? What's happening here? And I don't remember the first kind of self-help or personal development book I read, but in network marketing or relationship marketing, it's really a personal development university. Like any kind of commission sales jobs where you're paid based on your performance. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to looking at yourself in the mirror every day. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think, and because that always interested me, I think I've really had only one real, real job my entire adult life or life in general. And other than that, I never really, I never had an interest in working for anybody else. Maybe it was just my, my strong personality, probably that probably, but I think just that journey, you know, led me down the road of not, you know, questioning my thoughts, right. From, (laughs) from the phrase, ask, keep asking, we all should keep asking about our thought. Like, where did that thought come from? Hmm. What does that thought mean? Is it the truth? Is that thought the truth or is that just a thought, right? Like these are the basics of personal development. And so that happened probably in my late twenties when I started with relationship, AKA network marketing businesses. And I just thrived there because whatever money I made became very secondary because I really loved I loved the journey. I loved the journey. Yeah. Did you raise your boys with this mindset too, that you were learning along the way? Is that how you, were you focusing on how to make them think the way you did? Well, that's an interesting way to say it because now they're all adults and man, as much as I'd like to make them think this way, I mean, they were raised in this kind of what I call like the water of a fish, right? Like a fish is in water and they Mm -hmm. might not It's fun though, because I'll maybe overhear them say something to someone else or reflect something back to me and I'll hear it. Right. And so, but you know, it's such an individual journey and I'm hoping that there's the ingredients of this when their soul is ready. You know, it's like when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Right. right? Right. And so, but words don't teach, so I can't teach them anything, but I can give the raw materials in there. I can keep the raw materials of the information in their environment. And I think I have done that. And I've also done it the other way where they've seen it, (laughs) the raw materials of the monster as well, right? Because we are all raised by what I would call our parents' monster, the thing that they didn't heal from. They're needing to prove something. We're raised by that. And then we also, you know, are hugely responsible for how... Our children, although I'm going to just retract that just a little bit, because even 
the way our brains wired when we're little, it wouldn't, does it matter if you love your children unconditionally and provide that kind of environment? Yes, absolutely. And it's not fail safe because they don't have the equipment yet in their brain to be able to reason out why they got in trouble or why something's wrong. They're going to make a faulty assumption about that. But anyway, so yeah, my kids have been a deep part of my life's classroom for sure, learning these things. With your network marketing and all that business that you did, what did that teach you about yourself and what you was your like strength or what was your limiting beliefs? Yeah. Well, because that was an area where I really felt fueled by this need to be special and to be a leader and not just be a leader, but like a leader, like the leaderest of all leaders, right? Like, so (laughs) it was in the moment, first of all, it's a very powerful fuel source. Like when you're fueled by that in any area of your life, whether it's success in business or making your body look or be a certain way or having the perfect life externally so that people can see. So, okay. Then that's very powerful. Like you will be fueled to, you don't sleep, you just get resourceful, you get motivated. Like it's a very exhilarating feeling. And in the book, I talk about it being comparable to like a race boat, like a motorboat, like a powerboat or a sailboat. The powerboat is very effective and very fast and you can get there and you have driving energy, but it's not sustainable. Right. Because it burns out, it needs maintenance, it needs, it can only last for so long. And then you kind of go, wait, what was I doing this for again? Mm -hmm. And, but the sailboat, and that's my analogy to the monster or fear. And then compare that to love, which is inexhaustible and is calming. It can go fast though too. See, that's the lie is that you've got to have the monster. I had one lady tell me who's a very successful businesswoman. And I said, you know, how would your life be different if you didn't have a monster under your bed driving it? Mm-hmm. And she goes, I'd be a 300 pound bonbon eating daytime while watching <laughs> slob, you know, oh. lazy slob. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. So for her, she completely identified that this driving energy was responsible for her success and her business, but her health was falling apart. She couldn't stay in a relationship. So yay for you, you know, yay that you are successful in business, but yeah, at what cost? And so the lie is, is that if you didn't have that, then you would be that. Like, that's what I call chatter in the book. It's like, it's a lie. It's thoughts that are your survival brain or just your identity in general doesn't, wants homeostasis, wants you to stay the same. Right. Because if you make any changes at all, if you, here's the thing, it's not the change. The change inevitably when the change comes would be okay. It's anticipating or gearing up or making those adjustments to the status quo that your survival brain, that part of you does not want you to do. And that's where you feel all the resistance. Have you ever, you know, the setting of goals, right. the, anytime you set a goal, be ready especially if it's really out of your vicinity. Like if it's relatively... Like a far-reaching. Yeah, if it's pretty close and you're just fine-tuning it, you can do that, right? If it's in the vicinity and you probably won't get a whole lot of resistance. But to the degree that it's a big change for you and it makes you go... See that emotion? Right. I guess you can't see me (laughs) if I'm on your podcast, but (laughs) you get the idea right? Like, it's like, ah, what have I done? Like that energy will trigger your survival brain. It will say, no, abort, 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 danger, danger. Like it's going to bite you tooth and nail. 
to not do that thing. It doesn't know what you are talking about specifically. It just reads emotion. So the more you can calm it down (laughs) and the more you can, how you approach any of these things in life, if you approach it with apprehension, then you might gut your way through with some willpower for a little bit, but it's not going to be sustainable and you will end up shutting down with yet. Here's how we interpret that. Oh, see, I tried that and I tried it again. Does it work? See, I didn't think it would work because it never worked before. I've done this before and it doesn't work, blah, 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 right? And so it's just another notch on the failure belt. And, but mainly it wasn't because of really what happened or didn't happen. It was number one, the factor of how you approached that triggered, set you up, set you up from the get-go on if you were going to really succeed at that or not was the approach. You look at the approach like a gymnast, right? You kind of go, okay, I got to approach that thing. Not that I'm a gymnast. I just made that up. But, um, (laughs) and then it's how you interpret the data as you go, how you emotionally interpret the data. And Ashley, my biggest thing for, it just keeps confirming it and all the work I've been doing and people I've been helping and working with, it's not the thing that is the problem. It's what we say to ourselves about the thing. Right. So, It's not that I didn't do my workout today. Mm -hmm. See, if it was just, I didn't do my workout today, like just data, just that's data. I did just a fact. Yeah. Just the facts. That's one thing, but it's not that it's, if it was just that, that wouldn't cause near the damage of what we say and do and feel about not doing that workout today. And so that's where the damage. And then, and then I, now we go with many layers in my work, when we're aware of this, we know what's happening. And then we judge ourselves for judging ourselves. Like then it just even, you know, the, goes, the right goes deeper. Yeah. It goes into the ridiculousness. It's like, wait, Oh crap. I just judged myself. Oh crap. I just judged myself again for judging myself for judging myself. <laughs> like, yes, stop the insanity. Let's just get out of that playground, get off of that Ferris wheel or whatever. You know, when but, you, when you're in that business and you're learning from all these people's personalities and mindsets and all that through the marketing? Yes. Was that a lot of your, like, were you interested in trying to learn from them to like grow your mind? Thank you for bringing me back to that question because I don't think I really answered it. You asked that already. Yes, absolutely. That was my huge thing because in any kind of, well, I think it goes with any kind of business you're in or just your life. When you are all about you and you will be all about you, if you don't do the inner work, everything's about you everything, every look, every comment, every opinion, every, everything mm-hmm. is about you unless you do the inner work on yourself. So when you're in a business like that, you know, you're, I was developing leaders and as I was developed, I had to develop my leadership so I could lead, right? I can't lead anyone if I'm down in the muck and the mire with them. Right. So I had to do to get out. Yes. Yes. It was so mm-hmm. painful. Holy cow. So painful. Oh, yeah. Very painful. So this work is not for, and if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you are of the fertile soil. (laughs) You are of the ilk that is already doing this. Or you wouldn't even, I mean, why are you listening to podcasts, right? So, and that's the other thing. People don't give themselves credit. Like I would tell my team in my business, I'd go and they'd feel, they'd sit there. I could see it on their faces. They're comparing themselves. In my book, I have 10 monster tracks that this is how, it shows up, the lie under the bed, this monster thing, shows up in your daily life. One of them, I think it's monster track number four, is comparison. 
Well, in any kind of sales business, comparison, well, because we're raised with comparison. School is comparison. Athletics is comparison. Girls, holy cow, comparison, comparison, comparison. It's sick. No, just even having girls myself, and they're pretty close in age, and they do pageants. And to teach them in that type of uh, environment to not compare, that's a big thing. And you kind of live, it's a it's a of yep. something that I focus on to let them, we don't compare. We are doing our best, you know, like looking at ourselves as an individual and not to take things in a personal way. But I, yes, I love yep. that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, because your girls right now too are, yeah, at the ages where that's really, really powerful to have those conversations and hopefully see. Okay. Anyway, let me go back. So the comparison is just one thing. Perfectionism is another. Blame is another. Judgment, of course, and shame people pleasing, getting your button pushed. Holy cow. Right now on Facebook and social media, it's everybody's getting their button pushed. Everybody is offense ready, you know, and offense can only be taken. Even if it's given offense can only be taken. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I don't really remember where I was going initially, but this, okay. Like this is where I learned in the trenches, the different faces of how this monster shows up in our life. Okay, good. And yeah, there you go. I brought it back. <laughs> you never know where I'm going to go. I go out on tangents sometimes. No, that's um, great. But uh, I see it happening all the time. And I saw it in me. You see, that's the thing. And we don't usually see it to the degree it pushes our button. We can kind of go, whoa, whoa, holy cow. I got really upset about that person's perfectionism or that person's blaming or that person. To the degree I get upset and not just into someone else's stuff, then I hold up the mirror. That's where it becomes really painful because it's never about the other person. (sighs) What we see in others to the degree it bothers us, that's my red flag that there's something in me that needs to be dealt with because the reactionary emotion is the one where it's triggered. The triggered emotion. I'm not response able. I'm reactionary. And so to the degree I feel a reaction, as soon as I can catch that, Mm -hmm. I then go... Yeah. Yeah. That's my signal. And you teach people that. Is that what I do? Yeah. 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 I do. Like in a marriage, in in those deep, you know, deep Mm. relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's the dance of the monster right there with marriages. And there's no judgment about it. Like, unless you're having some really major physical abuse situations, there's so many tools and strategies that you could just shift to save a lot of marriages, I think, you know, so much pain in families. Right. When you talk about like being in alignment or unalignment and how you get in alignment, how do you help your clients or who you're teaching how to get in alignment? Because I know a lot of people with limiting beliefs and people that aren't in your, that that same vibration that you want to bring them to. And it's like getting them there. How do you, Mm -hmm. what's your strategy? Well, my book really deals a lot with like the brain, even though I'm not, I'm not qualified as a professional to talk about it with letters after my name, but I understand what fires together, wires together. It's Hebb's law. And this is exactly how our neuro pathways and synapses and our whole identity of thought and emotion was created in our lifetime was what fires together, wires together. So what I didn't know, and I went on a little search about, is what causes the firing and what causes the wiring. Like just to say what fires together, wires together, okay, but how do you do that, right? Mm -hmm. So 
when we're little or at any time, what fires is emotion. To the degree you have an emotional response to something, that is actually firing brain synapses together. Like that you can actually, there's equipment now to measure. Joe Dispenza is a huge one that talks about. Love Joe Dispenza. Yeah. And he actually, in his classes and his seminars, you know, hooks people up and can see the firings. But see, I didn't learn the emotion part from, I haven't learned the emotion part from anybody I've researched because no one really tells me. I haven't not seen any professional educated person say that answer that question. So I made up the answer myself because it fits with what I see. And any emotional response fires. Now, Mm -hmm. there's another law at, well, and then repetition wires. And I do know that from an occupational therapist. She said for stroke patients, you know, they have to just repeat picking up a fork, picking up a fork, picking up a fork. Like repetition of action, repetition, repetition, repetition. Right. So what fires together wires together, meaning if you keep wiring that same emotional firing, it's going to actually create a strong neuro pathway of actual, that's going to embed. Like that's going to be what you're going to think, what you're going to feel, what you're going to think, what you're going to feel. And it's going to just keep be you know, a replicating thing. However, what you don't use, you lose. So that's also a law, physics law. So if you just had an emotional response once, let's say I'm in second grade and I'm giving a talk to my class and I pee my pants, right? Because I'm really nervous and I think people are laughing at me and I pee my pants. And now what happens, right? Like I'm humiliated emotionally. I'm in shame. I am wanting to go hide. I want to go never see anybody ever again, right? Well, Mm -hmm. if that experience had just happened once, which it did in my outward world, it only happened once. But how many times did I replay that in my inward world? And that world doesn't know it didn't just happen again because I lived those emotions again as if it just happened again. So that's the firing and wiring we're products of. So the humiliation, the shame, I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. See, we lived in those emotions all of our life so much that they wired. They wired and fired and wired and fired. So guess what the answer to that is? Now using the prefrontal cortex, logical brain doesn't fully develop. So think about this with your kids. Doesn't fully develop till mid-20s. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're doomed. (laughs) We're doomed because you don't have the brain equipment. Have you ever noticed talking to maybe your 14-year-old isn't sometimes a lot different than when she was two? You know, like... (laughs) right. They don't, and we judge them and say, come on, what's the matter with you? It doesn't work. I mean, now when they're 14, 15, hopefully it's developing more, right? They do have more reasoning ability than when they were two. But when those emotions are triggered, do you know that when your survival brain is triggered, the prefrontal cortex brain completely shuts down? You do not have access to logic. Because why? It's an ancient wiring that has caused us to survive. Meaning if you're really in the threat of your, of getting eaten, right? Right. You don't need to sit there and figure out how far away that thing is for you and where you don't need to figure anything out. The only thing you're, all of your blood, all of your energy goes to your extremities. It doesn't go to your logical brain. Your logical brain has no access to energy because it doesn't need it. It just says you get out of there or be ready. And either one of those is going to take blood to your extremities, your legs and your, you know, you got to fight. That's why people are fighting over toilet paper, right? Like they're, <sighs> they have, their logical brain is shut down because they're so fear ridden. But and even so, all that stuff going on right now with all that looting and, you know, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, oh. There's, what's that? <laughs> what's your, it's all, yeah, it's all survival 
primal. This is primal. Look at it. You can see primal. And actually, the primal has nothing to do with race. It's actually everybody is in severe survival threatened mode, illogical. It doesn't make any sense. But you know what? After a huge heated conversation or a fight with my husband, afterwards I'll go, oh crap, I didn't really mean that. And I'm, I'm so, but you don't have access to your logical brain when your survival brain is triggered. That's just right. an, see that's that. just You're a right. neurological, it's huh. neurological. Your body's designed that way. So don't judge yourself, just be aware and go, well, okay, so when I feel those impulses, when I feel those reactionary, <gasps> like that kind of feeling about anything, and that's why the media is so complicit in all this, and mm-hmm. they know it. I went to a media summit with my book, and here I am talking about, well, I just want to help everybody understand where their lies coming from and how they can offset. They're like, uh, no, you need a hook. You need a hook to really get their attention. And that's what the media is all about. All advertising is all about survival brain training. Totally. Especially yeah. right now. I mean, it's yes. crazy. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I, oh. Yeah. I mean, I, but, you just... know, there's enough consciousness like you and I, Ashley, and people out there listening. There is enough of us that can see it for what it is and notice. See, this is every day in June, actually, by the way. I have a little St. Francis challenge going on my Facebook is every day read the St. Francis of Assisi mm. prayer. You know? Nice. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace, right? Where there is hate, let me sow love. Let me sow joy. Let me sow hope. In fact, meeting, anyway, this is very, it's all about this. It's all about becoming the light. I don't know if you've ever read Bruce Lipton's yes, Power read, versus yeah. Power yes, versus I Force. I love that book. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And he talks about the energy scale and about one person vibrating at, an, at love Right. offsets. Like we would be imploding if we didn't have people at a higher level consciousness vibrating at love energy, this planet would implode. Like right. honestly, and probably the Old Testament story of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is what happened. You know, God came to a lot and said, hey, and Lot said, God, if I can find 50 righteous people, will you spare the city? Yeah, go ahead. Couldn't find them. I mean, he went down to just basically Lot and his family. Now, whether that story really happened or not, I don't know, but it's a great example. Oh, it's great. Yeah, because you have to have enough offsetting energy. But one person, a Jesus consciousness, a Buddha, a love consciousness person, Mm -hmm. offsets thousands. Like where fear is, love much more abounds. Like you can offset it. So we can, there's hope here. I really believe. And I think this Corona and even the murder wasps that supposedly were supposed to be a thing a minute ago. Oh, right. (laughs) Like all these, and now everyone's out there protesting without masks and who knows what happened to COVID now. Like we're just, it's going going from one thing to another, to another, to be fearful of, but There were tons of things to be fearful of before all of this happened and people just were dying a slow death. This is now a gift, my opinion. All of this is being a gift to us because it's bringing up the, who are you? And it brings it in our face right now. You can make a choice. We're not gonna just let it apathetic. I was slipping into apathy. I was slipping into, yeah, let's, you know, this, all this stuff does is bring like there's no atheist in the foxhole kind of thing. It's like, right. who are you and who is your source and what really matters here? Mm-hmm. And shifting everyone to a love consciousness and it takes a lot of pain. And uh, you know, the time that we, you know, you, we're all like quarantined, right? And to spend yes. that time, like really looking inward 
you know, because yeah. there's not much more you can do. But I really like have really, you know, tried to impress that upon my children to like, look within, are you coming from love? Mm-hmm. Like that's the most important thing, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Teach, teach children that there's no fear. It's mm-hmm. only, that's just fake. That's false. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. you can do is love. And if you mm-hmm. know that, and that's in your true, true being, then you've come out of this and you can see the light. And see, Ashley, what you're doing, and I love, is you're modeling. See, people do what people do. That's why the looters, right? Like everyone has in them, I heard somebody say once, everyone has an Adolf Hitler and a Mother Teresa in them. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a matter of what's your environment doing because you're going to probably model what your environment's doing. And that's where the conversation needs to move to these places that don't have available, they don't have this kind of behavior modeled, right? So it's like, we want to blame these people, but it's like, well, what else have they really seen? Right. And how can we help model that and what you're doing with your kids right there? Because when you just said, well, this quarantine time has given us a lot of time to look inward and what else is there to do? Well, honey, there's a lot of people not looking inward in the quarantine. You just reflected what you're doing and you think that's what everyone's doing. But honestly, that isn't what everyone's been doing. People are angry. People are losing their jobs. People are wondering how they're going to eat. People, they have a choice to look inward and hopefully some of them are and shifting. But we, the, what you're doing is so important to model, not just talk about it, but actually do it and have your girls, you know, sit down and do some meditation with you or some shifting into, you know, like watching for triggers that happen within you and acknowledging them and then going, oh, okay, you guys, sorry. That was, you're not like just apologizing. My son, my 40 year old son apologized to his 18 year old son the other day. (laughs) Uh, And he apologized for not being a great dad. And I was there when it happened. I didn't say anything, but I texted him later and I said, you know what? That's an oxymoron because the fact that you apologized shows oh, that so good. Yes. you are that, you know, you're judging yourself for what you did because maybe he lashed out about something, but honestly, that's exactly what your kids need to see. Totally. Is, and you know, I make that a point when I know I'm wrong, just to say, I'm really sorry that to show them it's okay. I made a mistake, right? Yeah. I, everyone is, but if you yeah. can acknowledge it and apologize and have a reset, yeah. And it shows them that and you're doing what hopefully they're going to do, like marrying you. Then my parenting lessons are, exactly. are working, right? Yep. Yep. Well, when you asked me earlier, and I don't know that I fully answered, you said, how do you help people rewire? So that is what I'm doing right now. That is so exciting. In my book, I talk about a love epiphany that I had. I didn't even realize how impactful that event was going to be for me, that experience. It was Mm -hmm. very supernatural. It was when I was going through some hard times with my youngest son. And I was just learning about meditation. I had been growing up with prayer, right? Prayer was a big deal for me growing up. But the way I prayed, it was all fear-based. It was all, help me, help that, help them. And from what I was learning about faith, and Hebrews 11 talks about, you know, faith is actually seeing and believing and feeling. The feeling is the most important thing. Totally. And that's faith. And when you approach whatever you think you're doing and you call it prayer, but you're actually embedding deeper many times the problem because you're cementing the problem emotionally. So anyway, during this time in my development, understanding and practicing, this son was coming to my mind. And Wayne Dyer's quote of when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. 
And I actually changed in my mind's eye, my son, instead of seeing him with this fear idea, when I think of him, it would trigger nanoseconds of, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I caught that and put a screensaver up and kept in my mind's eye a picture of him feeling and expressing radiant, like he was unconditionally loved. In fact, the the image I had in his mind, I can see it right now, even when I close Mm -hmm. my eyes, Mm -hmm. his hands are raised, his face is up into the sun, and he has a radiant glow, knowing who he is and knowing that he is unconditionally loved, intrinsically valuable and worthy and perfect, just as he is. And that's how I held him. I was holding him back. And I do that many days with most all my kids and grandkids now. I hold them in that space. I hold them in that energy. In fact, sometimes I just get that energy going inside me about me. And then mm-hmm. I morph them in my mind's eye into me. And then that's them, right? So I'm right. kind of like sending and infusing. I call it love infusion. You just love infuse into that person. And honestly, with that son, that was where I first learned the power of this principle. It was so Incredible. Well, it was during this time that I had this love epiphany for myself and it was supernatural. Like it was unbelievable. I, you know, it doesn't live in words. So I can't really even tell you about it in words, but it was like every pore, it was orgasm times, you know, a million. It was just like crazy good and overwhelming. And I didn't realize how much that one experience would impact my life. And it did it. Everything changed how I saw things, the church I went to, then, you know, just everything changed from that point as I started just keeping living my life, I, anyway. You know, that what that reminded me of is when you were talking about how you close your eyes and visualize your baby at like two years old. And did I love you that. hear me? Did you hear yeah, me do you, that on you an describe exercise? That? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, that's one of the exercises I do now because I've learned how to rewire people is actually you have to do it emotionally. It has to fire emotionally new. You can't just unwire. You have to rewire. And so, yeah, like, so right now, if everybody listening, just kind of, if you're driving, don't do this, but do it later. But, you know, just breathe a couple deep breaths just to kind of relax yourself down a little bit. Get your survival brain calmed down. And breathing is your biggest tool to do that, by the way. Deep belly breaths is really, really your biggest tool. It's so amazing. Before you start yelling at your kids or your husband, just do some deep belly breaths. It'll keep you access to to your logical brain. And then just gently close your eyes and bring, if you're a mom, bring a picture up in your mind's eye of one of your kids as a baby. And you get to pick whatever age you want, but have it be, you know, less than two. Like even six months is a good age. Just get a baby picture in your mind of one of your kids. If you're not a mom or a dad, Picture a baby, get a Gerber baby in your mind or a relative baby that you know. Just picture them in your mind just for a minute, not a minute, just a few moments. And emotionally feel what you feel when you see a baby like that. When you see, when you picture them and you can see them and you feel what? Is there anything? Feel the love that you have for that child. Like let Let your emotions just completely focus on that child in your mind, your imagination. It's your memory. It's all the same. And ask, can that child be any more or less perfect, worthy, loved, lovable than they are right now in that picture? 
And then morph yourself into that baby. Make that you. Or if you have a baby picture of yourself in mind that you can remember or you've seen, put that, make that baby you. Because that's the truth. And when we fully connect emotionally to the truth of who we really are, a piece of the divine, God, pure love, that's at our core, that's our essence, that's who we are. That's who you are. This is the beginning of rewiring, and it's a process. But initially, the whole way through, it's really a matter of firing and wiring, which takes emotion and repetition. And this is what I do in my Ignite Vision program all the time now. This is what I'm so excited because here's the thing. I can't teach you how to have a love epiphany. And now I'm actually, (laughs) I'm on a rabbit hole of near-death experiences and after-death experiences Mm -hmm. and out-of-body experiences because they fascinate me. Because the whole COVID thing is all about people's fear of death, which is your survival brain's wiring. It is the worst thing that you could possibly do is die. But when you really go logically listen to these stories of thousands of people who've experienced and this common denominator, they're not all exactly the same, Mm -hmm. but they all came back and they all had similar common denominators and they all are, when I look at my love epiphany, I'm like, well, okay, the after effect of a near death, they come back and go, love is all that matters. Love is all there is. Well, that's my after effect of my love epiphany. That was my after effect of, you know, I didn't have to die to discover this, but what I discover it with meditating. How did you discover? No. Well, NLP has helped me like uh, neuro-linguistic programming techniques. I went, when I was writing my book, I thought, you know what? I need some initials after my name. I don't even have a college degree. So Mm -hmm. like that kind of triggered me a little bit, like go find something to do to kind of validate you as a, you know, my book coaches were telling me that. I'm like, okay, well I'll go do this NLP thing. Cause I remember Tony Robbins talking about it in the eighties. Right. And so But so that is, I call it mental ninja moves, like it's powerful. But what I think I'm doing now is NLP-esque, but inherent in NLP is very fluid and flexible. Like you can adjust that. It's not like someone's mandating you do it a certain way anyway, but no. So what I've discovered in the last probably eight months since I've been on the quest, since the book came out, people would say, okay, great, Kim. Thanks for letting me know why I feel like I feel and what it's coming from and where it started and blah, blah, blah. But what do I do about it? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Okay, well, go have a love epiphany. You know, like, <laughs> because I didn't do anything to have that happen to me. It was completely grace. It was completely given to me as a gift. I don't know how to teach it. And then hmm. therefore, it's more frustrating to me to not finish it out for people. Because it's almost like people would say, I'm wearing myself to death. Like, I know why now, but it doesn't help me. It makes it worse because self-judgment. Well, I shouldn't feel that way because I know where it came from but I do feel this way. So how do I, it's, it right. wasn't really helping people like I wanted it to. So this last eight months, I've been on this quest of actually had a guinea pig group of people that just kind of went playing with me. That guinea pig group's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and we've evolved and tweaked. And so it's called ignitevision.be if you want to check it out. But yes. it's, it's honestly, it's actually doing emotional, imaginative, yes, somewhat meditative, but it's more than just quieting your mind. It's more like guiding your mind. It's more like realizing the principles of firing and wiring and doing emotionally rewiring exercises like what I just did with the baby. Like that's an example. I have them for self-forgiveness. I have them for forgiving others. I have them like, 
they were given to me as gifts, just like I didn't know what I was even going to lead most of the times when I would lead these. Huh. And then as I was leading them, ideas would come of how to, where to lead people in their imaginative, in their inner eye, you know, that mind's eye. Right. And uh, it's so powerful because your subconscious does not know that you didn't just pee your pants again in front of the second grade, right? It doesn't know. And memories and creations, memories and visualizations are the same essence to your mind. I could tell you right now, imagine yourself, this happened just the other day. I said, okay, bring a memory up in your mind of something you did yesterday, okay? And maybe it was, hey, I was, so just tell me one, Ashley. Just, I don't know what you're going to say, but just bring me just a a very benign memory. Don't go into a deep memory. Just a, what did you do? I ran with my dogs. Okay. And you see the place you ran right now in your mind's eye? You Mm -hmm. can get a visual of where you were? Yes. Okay. Where were you? Just describe it briefly. Uh, Along the golf course. Okay. So now I want you to, and now run on the beach. Can you do that in mind? Yes. I'm running on the beach. Okay. So do you see how there's no difference between a memory and a visualization of what you didn't do? This is why, I don't know, 80-something percent of our memories are false, by the way, Mm -hmm. because you don't really know what you did. You don't know what you said. You have a memory of it, but it also could be an illusion of it that you're remembering a certain way. That's why 10 people seeing the same thing can all say it happened very different. And right. there should just be one truth, right? But there's not because we don't see with our eyes and we don't hear with our ears. We see with our mind. When you think of childhood, right? And you have siblings. I have three. I'm the oldest of three girls. Mm-hmm. We could all describe our childhood and we'd mm-hmm. have the same exact one, right? And we all have these different takeaways and yep. memories, right? Yep. Yep. Great example. So that's why when I lead these guided imagery exercises, it's actually replaying or rewiring to a new truth that's actually more true. When you were three and my dad left my, my dad didn't leave my mom. My dad to little, that's my adult brain talking. My adult prefrontal cortex brain knows that my dad divorced my mom and married another woman. That's because he didn't want to be married to my mom anymore right? That's my adult cerebral brain talking. My little Kimmy brain did not process it that way. It had no equipment to process that that way. The equipment that my little Kimmy brain had was only her survival that was all about her being good enough because that's part of our survival. We have to be taken care of. People have to like us. People have to take care of us. And my dad left me and he didn't just leave me. He left me for another woman. Uh, Right? Yes. That's the emotional truth. And that's what was fired as a three-year-old. So now growing up, anytime there was a threat or a, like now I have what I call mental bloodhounds out on the path, your reticular activating system of your brain is only looking for evidence to show you what you already have told it is true. So it doesn't argue with you. It doesn't say, no, Kimmy, you're perfect and lovable and unconditionally valuable. It doesn't say that. It says, your wish is my command. Here's another example of how you suck. Here's another example of how you're not good enough. Here's another example of how you're not special. That's how it plays out all our whole growing up. (laughs) That reticular memory, isn't that the same thing where like if you're looking for a, I'm looking for a white Range Rover and then all of a sudden I see a million white Range Rovers. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Or do you have a time on a clock that you notice all the time? Oh, all the time. One, two, three, two, always. And then four, four, four. Yeah. All the time, all day long. (laughs) 
Yeah, and you think some people build whole religions about it, but it's actually you've told that my anniversary is eleven eleven. So that's I, I see that 11. one all the time. Yes. I look at the clock way more times than eleven eleven, but I don't pay attention. It doesn't come into my awareness because I didn't tell it that it had any significance at one you know, 35 makes no right. significance to me. So I'm not going to really pay attention. I'm only going to notice what I have told my brain is important to me. And when I've told my brain that I suck and I'm not good enough, guess what? My brain is already geared to showing me evidence of Yes, that I'm going to notice Powerful. all my life. Yeah. Very it's great powerful. message. Kim, I could talk to you all day long. I don't know I how know. to even stop this, but it's been so it's amazing, time. Oh. but magical and I, what I would love for you to do is I love that guided meditation and your those tools. And I know so many people have these limiting beliefs that they can't get out of. What yeah. would be like one little thing daily, like a ritual that you tell people to do? Like what would one thing that they could take away from what you've taught us today? I think lack of worthiness is that it, there would be no limiting beliefs. That is a, that's a symptom of the core issue is you, you're not aligned to who you are. And so... If you just did this deep breathing, maybe this baby imagery thing or like I am statements of, you know, I am loved on the inhale, say I am. I would have, this is kind of a beginner thing I did years ago with people. Just inhale, I am, exhale, loved. And picture yourself as a baby. And how would that baby, what was true about you when you were a baby? You were loved. You were, un, and even if you look as an adult and go, yeah, but my parents were so screwed up and messed up. Okay, then that brings in another component to it, meaning, you know, another exercise I do is how I see how our parents didn't feel loved. Like they were just modeling exactly what was passed to them and they did the best they could with what they had and everyone's doing the best they can. So if this, it, it is a deeper issue than just a quick, you know, but I am loved and I am worthy and I am a piece of the divine, I'm, I'm a piece of the creator of universes. Like I am in that energy. That is me. That is who I really, really, really am. Right. And aligning to that as much as you can, watching for the triggers that take you out of alignment because the only truth there is is love. There is no other truth, but our reality can be different than, that just means I just need to go get realigned. Right. Anyway. And when people, when you tell people when they get all their triggers or, you know, affecting them and all that stuff and they're getting unaligned how do you bring it back what would be like the okay remember you're part of god you're breathe you have to breathe you have to breathe to access any kind of see your logical brain knows a lot of things your cerebral brain it just does not have the ability to override the survival brain unless you can calm down the survival brain so those things that they taught you like well count to 10 before you you know give an answer or those were good because that gives you space to access your rational brain. But you know what? Here's the thing. It's a process and you have to give up the need to be right. And that's hard because being right is also very connected to being like your survival and your ego. It's all when you run to the roar, which is what I talk about towards the end of the book. It's like, you got to run to that roar. It's going to feel like you're going to die. It's going to feel like your identity is shook. Like you're, you're going to die. That's really what it feels like. <laughs> and when you don't die and you realize you're released from this fear that is gripping you and causing this dysfunction and discord in your heart, 
it feels like a million pounds is lifted from you. That's yeah. what everyone reports. It feels like, thank you. <gasps> and all it was was in your mind. It was in your wiring. It wasn't in your reality. Your reality is never your reality. Your reality is how you're processing what's happening outwardly. It's your inward world that is really what you're victim of, right. not your outward world. Anyway, I know, Ashley, there's a lot of stuff in here. Oh. And I appreciate the ability to... You are an example to me of a miracle because you, the seed that I am sowing in the world, I don't know you. I don't know how you found me, but when the student's ready, the teacher will appear and like minds and hearts and consciousnesses are raising and uniting together right now. And that is exactly, we need to go loot for love. You know what I mean? Like we need to totally. be the, the rioters for righteousness or you know what I mean? I'm trying to make a pun here, but we need to really unite as right. an energy and, but, um, you know, I think you. having this and you on this podcast and it just it's such a gift that I can give to my listeners at this time, especially, and they're just hungry for it. And they are so grateful for this message and that I found you in my life in some God way. Yeah. <laughs> the universe came together and brought you to me. And your message is so amazing and special and so on point of where we're at in this life right now. And for people to get out of their minds and to live their life in love and to get away of the fear and the, to focus on who they're, why they're here and that they're part yeah. of God and that we're all here together and we're one. And when you watch the news and you see these people, we're all one. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Part of God. And we're all here together to love. And if, if until everyone gets that, I'm, I really sometimes at the beginning of this quarantine, I felt like until everyone gets that we're here just to love, we're just going to be sitting in our houses until God says, okay, Let's get on board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's get on board, live in love, listen to what your message is because it's so uplifting and so true and resonates with me with my whole entire heart. Oh, I'm so, I'm so grateful happy. for you. And I will you share? I know you have ignitevision.b is one of your websites. Yeah, and just Kim Fisk, you can find me, and Fisk has an E on the end. So it's Kim F I S K E dot com. That's another one. I haven't really been focused on all that. Like my website's there. Heal yourself, heal the world is another one of my slogans that I, I'm very passionate about because unless we heal ourselves first, our attempts to love others, we can't love anyone more than we love ourselves. Right. And we have to do that inner healing first. But yeah, kimfisk.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on whatever. LinkedIn. Find me. And I just say, you know what? Oh. Let's just go. Let's just be together and do the good and and keep shifting our energy so we can help raise consciousness to love to everybody, you know? So thank you. You are a kindred spirit for sure. Thank you so much, Kim. My, such a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.